Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. We've almost made it, everyone. The decade is nearing its end, and we're down to two in the Let's Run.com race of the decade voting. Yes, it's Elliot Kipchoge's world record at the 2018 Berlin Marathon against David Rudisha's world record in the 2012 Olympic 800-meter final. Two goats squaring off. It's amazing. And I just want to say, before we get into the running discussion, congratulations to Weldon Johnson, Robert Johnson, and myself. We made a commitment at the start of the year. Weldon asked us, will you commit to doing a weekly podcast every week of 2019? And I think we skipped like the first two weeks because the first podcast was like January 15th or something. But since then, we have pumped out a podcast every week of 2019. I'm proud of everyone from travel. We traveled to Denmark. We traveled to Doha. We made it happen. The, qu- the quality, you know, maybe the quality wasn't always there, but the quantity was. So congrats, guys. I'm not sure if I'm going to pat myself on the back. I like to pat myself on the back. But, you know, the podcast, I'm not sure if it's good for business. People are probably listening to the podcast and not going to the website quite as much. Folks, stop being cheapskates. Support tinyletsrun.com. Right now, go to letsrun.com slash shoes. You can purchase a nice new pair of shoes. If you're not ready for some shoes, you can at least review your shoes. If you do that, you can make us some money. At a minimum, go to letsrun.com every day. Go to letsrun.com slash forum and add to the forum. Half a penny per page will help us all. But folks... This is Robert Johnson, Let's Run, co-founder. If you need to reach us, as always, as I say, unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, pick up the phone, 844-538-7786, 844-LET'S-RUN. I think if you hit extension 3, you'll be connected to my cell phone within a matter of seconds. But I don't know. The, the race of the decade, we're down to two, and I am going to sh- – I was threatening to shut the site down if L.A. Kipchoge's world record wins this contest. Oh, you guys are lu- – this is great. You guys are lucky – Rojo has a rant. He's been fuming about this. He's been wanting to talk about it for a week. So I'm just going to set him loose. You're getting your Rojo rant early this week. Robert, go. Well, we have to bring up the vapor flies. Salazar was banned for a lot less than mechanical doping. I don't have a problem that he wore the vapor flies in that shoe, but what was so historic about Kipchoge's race was he lowered the world record by more than it had come down in 50 years. I think it was 78 seconds, right, John, or something like that. That seemed amazing. But in the year plus since then, four other guys have broken the world record. So I, I just I, I can't let some race that was the result of shoes be the race of the decade. Rudisha did it without a rabbit. He did it without special shoes, and he ran in, in, in the Olympic final. Agreed, Robert. Agreed. I'm pulling for Rudisha's run. I mean, a washed up Kenisa Bekele. Maybe those aren't the proper words to use, but he came within two seconds of Kipchoge's run. Sure, at the time, people thought Kipchoge's run was unbelievable. And maybe it changed the bar and the standard, but when another guy comes within two seconds of it within a year, like, what's the big deal? How can that be the race of the decade? Well, here's why. People fr- people freaking love Elliot Kipchoge. That was Elliot Kipchoge's greatest race, you know, outside of breaking two or Ineos or whatever you want to, if you want to classify those as races. I don't consider them races. They were great performances. But... People freaking love Elliot Kipchoge for good reason. That was Kipchoge's greatest race on that list. So that's why they vote. That's what I think is spurring the voting. Because I only ranked it as a five seed in the bracket. I thought in terms of epic races, I mean, you had 
the Sege Kabede Sammy Wanjiru duel. That was what everyone sort of, and Ross Tucker put this on Twitter, the sports scientist. He he was like, look, that was the best race of the decade. That was just those guys, you know, throwing haymakers the last final few miles of Chicago and Tony Revis losing his mind on the broadcast. That you know, in terms of a race, that was amazing. But the Kipchoge one, it was a magnificent accomplishment by the greatest marathoner we've ever seen, and I think people want to reward that. That said. I always thought from the moment we started this bracket that that Rudisha's 800 was going to run through everyone. So far, no one has come close to it. And I'm fairly convinced it will win handily in the final. So I don't think anyone has anything to worry about. I think that race was our number one overall seed and I expect it to win it all. Well, I was thinking of making a bold prediction that the site would go down. Maybe I would keep the message boards up if, if Kipchoge somehow does win. But... Then I was reminding myself of what it was like to watch the goddamn Dallas Cowboys play yesterday against the Philadelphia Eagles. There were several times during that game, and folks, I'm sorry to the, stick to the running crowd. I've got to get this off my chest. There were several times during that game, and this has been building over the last 10 years, I thought, if the Cowboys don't do X on the next play, I will never root for this team again. I will pick a new team. I want to be, I consider myself a man of the people, despite my privileged white upbringing. I like to think of myself as the man of the commoner. I'm like, maybe the Buffalo Bills. If I ever could buy a team, I would buy it in a, in a depressed city like Cleveland or Buffalo and keep the team there forever. Upon my death, maybe donate the team to the nonprofit or something. But I'm like, if they don't go for fourth down here, that's it. And they didn't do it. So I don't know. I was going to shut it down personally, but now I think I have a good excuse. If Kipchoge somehow wins, I shut this thing down as an, as an, a terrible example of misogyny, I don't know guys if you guys have known, have heard, but Jonathan Gall can share you. This whole thing now has a asterisk next to it because Alicia Montano is not happy with the final for Well, it's interesting uh, because also I will say about Weldon felt the need, independent of Robert's frustration, Weldon started tweeting about the Cowboys from the official Let's Run Twitter account yesterday. And we had people responding to it like, my sister's on her Twitter feed. She's like, why is Let's Run tweeting about the Cowboys? I really think someone thought, you know, they didn't know which account I was in. But for the first time, I called for Jason Garrett's firing. I've always been a Garrett supporter. He, you just need a little in-game analytics. Fourth and one, down 11, you got to go for it 100% of the time. It's just obvious. But we're going to make our run, 8-8. Eight and eight. We're gonna, When we make the NFC Championship game this year, will Garrett get to keep his job? Who knows, John? Jason Garrett has done one thing he always finds a reason for jerry to hire in the next year so somehow i think we'll make the playoffs and make the nfc championship i think the most likely scenario is dallas goes eight and eight and then it's possible i mean i could easily see the giants beating the eagles next week or i could also see the giants agonizingly like like they throw daniel jones throws a pick six or something on the final possession and that causes the eagles to go to the playoffs instead so anyway Enough football talk. Robert did mention Alicia Montano. So it's interesting. This this all happened on Saturday. So we're Sunday. We're recording early this week because of the holiday. So recording on Monday. And Alicia Montano, Sunday morning, I get a notification on my phone. And it was our Race of the Decade Final Four tweet. And it said, Alicia Montano has retweeted it. I'm like, oh, this is great. Alicia is following the Race of the Decade. Like, I'm, I'm glad a pro runner of her stature is, is interested in the results. And... Then I, I go to search for it. I'm like, oh, she didn't actually retweet it. Like uh, She must have undid it for some reason. And then I see a few minutes later a new notification. It says, here's her tweet. She says, and then the misogyny with Let's Run.com and its following continues. 
Not a single woman. Every down to one. One woman, one man. A man's race won. No Des Linden, no Shalane Flanagan, no Nia Ali, no Dalila Muhammad, no Brenda Martinez, no Emma Coburn. Shows the following. Basic. So, essentially, Alicia is upset because our race of the decade, our final four races... Now, this was a 64-race tournament, and I think there were more men's races included. I think it was probably 40-20 was sort of the ratio there. If you want to criticize us 40, for that... 40-20? Forty like forty men's twenty women. I don't know. Forty two men's 40, 22 women. Something like that. Um, but anyway, there was a lot of women's races, a lot of good women's races, and the two of the ones she referenced: Emma Coburn, uh, her twenty seventeen World's Championship, and then uh, Dalila Muhammad, her world record at the twenty nineteen Worlds. They, those both did make the quarterfinals, and they got beat by men's races in the voting. But essentially. You know, she, I think she was upset that the, we did not the voting the electorate the people the let's run visitors did not vote a women's race into the final four. Well, a couple of points. One, we haven't spoken to her, so she may not even know that people were voting. She might have think we just picked them. But a couple of other pros sort of chimed in as well, or ex pros, Phoebe Wright as well. Phoebe was upset that the regions were all named after men. I don't know, fair criticism, whatever. I mean, but. And Molly Huddle asking if one of her favorite races was in there, being Jenny Simpson's World Championship gold medal win, saying that expired her. And it just sort of brought up an interesting conversation of where this goes with us. But no, I don't think this proves misogyny at all. It it, it maybe shows some biases of us. But if you look at some of their criticisms, you know, Alicia cites all U.S. races from friends of hers. Like, what about the international races that she's excluding? We're only supposed to include, I mean, she's just biased in the races that she included. Walden's trying to steal my thunder here. Walden says it shows the biases. Alicia, I, I, I debated. Your tweet disappoints me. I thought about responding, you know, to her. Why the xenophobia? Why the anti-throw worldism? I thought you were a leader of the vulnerable. Three of the four finalists for us are from Olympic gold medalists and world record holders from Africa. Yet you cite five women from America that should replace them? I, you know, the, the reality in my mind is if we're going to go for woke athlete of the year, that the, the, the average person in Africa has it way tougher than the average woman. In, average person in Africa has it way tougher than the average woman in America. So by her tweet right there, so she has a bias. She has a pro-American bias. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we as human beings have biases. Big freaking deal. You know, so <laughs> her, 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 her treat itself is biased and she's complaining about biases. I think employee 1.1, Steve Soprano, who does the homepage most days on our weekly conference call earlier today, nailed it. And he said it best, John. He's like, look, this is not an example of misogyny. Misogyny is the hatred of women. He's like, the let's run audience, like more sports websites is a predominantly male audience. I don't know what it is. Two thirds males. So men may be a little bit more likely to root for men to vote for a man's race than a woman's race. So then there's more men's races in the final four. That That's not misogyny. That's just men voting for men. She's implying that women should vote for women. So she's not implying anything, anything any differently. I think we deserve praise at some level for what other website promotes African runners to this extent? What other sports website promotes women basically as equals to men on a daily basis? Maybe there's a slight bias for men, but I think that you see this 
and, and the problem with this is, is a men's world record, John, is on an absolute scale better than a women's world record because human being people can't fathom a human being running that fast. Period. Whereas with a women's world record, yes, they can because a high school boy can run that world record. Well, I mean, that's your viewpoint. Maybe if you ask a woman, they might disagree with that viewpoint. But I think that the latter point you're making, I think the larger point you raise is correct. And look, I'll, I'll, we, let's admit it. Yes. Are there misogynists on the re- message board? Occasion- yes, there are sometimes. I don't think it's the majority of message board posters or even close to that. Sometimes there are misogynistic posts on the Let's Run message board. That's fine to acknowledge. It's a problem we're working on. We can accept that. But does that mean that everyone who's voting in this tournament is misogynist because they're voting for a male's race over a women's race no we put the criteria it's very subjective which race did you think was better and we have a major. we have like robert said the majority of our readers are male and so they're more likely to vote for men's races i don't think that makes them misogynist it's just they might be more interested in men's running if you had this vote on a different platform say like women's running if they hosted this vote you could very well see four women's races in the top four. Is that an issue? Is that because they hate men? I don't think it, you, I don't think you would say that. I would think you say because women's women are more likely to sort of be more interested in women's running. And Phoebe Wright, one of the critics of this, you know, race of the decade, the, the way we set it up, she has admitted she's more interested in women's running than men's running. That's fine. And you can like men's running more than women's running. You can like women's running more than men's running. It's all right. But I just don't. I don't think it's fair. To say just because four men's races made it into the final in a public vote that it's misogyny. I think it's just a representation of maybe some the the demographic breakdown of our of our readership. And it's also the, you know, look at the way we structured the tournament. We had an entire bracket just for American races. That's we're a US based website. Like, should some of these races have made it if we're just going the entire world? You know, what were the best races? Should Drew Hunters you know, Championship of America distance medley run, would that be one of the top 64 if we were opening it up to the entire world? No, not necessarily. But, you know, it's that we thought our readers were interested in American races. We had an American bracket. People like that race actually upset the first round opponent. That won, won a round. But, and then the other thing is the selection, like Molly Huddle was saying, well, the Jenny Simpson World Championship wasn't in the bracket. And yeah, that, that was a great race. A lot of people were excited by it. But, so neither was Jonathan Brazier's American record. He he broke the American record. I would say that was an even better race, race than Jenny's because he was the first American man. I mean, Jenny was the first American to win. Actually, I don't think she was the first American. Didn't Mary Decker won World Championship Gold in the 1500? But Brazier was the first American man or woman to win World Championship Gold in the 800. He did it in American record fashion. To me, that's a more egregious example, but I think that's the whole thing we're pointing out is it's a very subjective bracket, and that's why we laid it out to the public. public have spoken. Yeah. There were several times, John, once you started this, I mean, you primarily came up with the 64 list race, but we had a, we had a spreadsheet open to the public to, for suggestions. But there was a couple of times after it started where Weldon, who's briefly taken a break right now, we'll be back on the podcast in a minute. He's like, how do we leave this race out? And I'm like, well, we had it as a possibility. You know, it wasn't some grand conspiracy to put women out like Donovan Brazier's American record win from the world this year was not in there. Just we only had so many races. We we, we put them in, you know, the best that we could. Um you know, and behind the scenes, John, it's very ironic because I did when you came up with the list, what did I do, John? 
I went through and counted up the number of female women's races, and I thought, we need to have more women's races. I wish maybe we had named one of the regions after a woman. But I, I added in women. I'm like, it's just like this isn't anywhere close to 50%. But then I did went to one of the regions, the, the region that was mainly sprints, John. What was the name of that region? The Bolt region. Bolt region, yeah. That race actually had just the way we had done it. It wasn't some we just picked the sixty four races we thought were the best races. That region actually had nine women's races and seven men's races. That was before I made you take out a few men's races from the other other brackets and add in women's races. So on our own, it wasn't like it was something that we weren't aware of. I was actually looking at it, but at some level, we're never going to have everything perfectly mimic. The proportion, you know, the race, you you, you can't place, you know, the, the, you can't avoid the levels of sexism or racism or xenophobia. Montano can name us, can nail us for being sexist. I can nail her for being xenophobic. And, you know, hey, why aren't we getting, you know, or let's talk about race. Do we get praise for having 75% of our finalists being black? Or, hey, I actually counted it up, guys. Do you guys know what percentage of the mid-D and distance medalists from Worlds were were black? We're not white. We're, yeah, we're black. It's actually higher than that. It's 83.3%. So someone could argue, well, you're actually racist. 75% is not as high as 83.3%. So it, this this is insanity. At some level, uh, I thought about starting a Let's Run W, but and maybe I will, which is all female news at the front page. But I still would want to let the main Let's Run would not just be for men. It would still be the whole sport. I, I kind of, I always felt like the WNBA to me is, is sexist. Like, we don't say MNBA. We don't say the men's NBA. If we're going to have the WNBA, I think we should have the MNBA because say it's men's. I don't think the default should be men. I don't think. But how does that make the W? The, how does that make the WNBA sexist? That's a silly point, Robert. If just you want the to name, say the yeah. name, I do think the name NBA. Excuse me, the NBA name is sexist. Like okay, yeah, that's a. My first job out of college was working for women's professional tennis. I worked in the first in marketing PR for the first tournament that Serena Williams played, the first tournament that Venus Williams won. And then I was looking at other jobs, and that was when the ABA, do you remember that women's basketball league? Before the WNBA, there was a thing, I think it was called the ABA. And I ended up working in senior men's tennis, and I kind of looked at some jobs in the in, in the women's, I thought about jobs in women's basketball. And I thought, I thought senior men's tennis wasn't appealing to me. I'm like, these are old men who've already made a ton of money. I thought women's tennis, this is great. There aren't that many opportunities for women to, to work in sports. But when I was looking at the basketball, I thought, I don't want to work for the WNBA. These men don't give a shit about women's basketball. They just don't want this ABA league to become a big brand and hurt their NBA brand. So I've been trying to support women's sports for a long time. And she gets to go mouth off at me for being some sexist pig. Well, I don't think she's well, quite going that far. I mean, but. Well, I had to step away. The heating oil guy was here, but I'm not sure. What, I just heard Robert ranting when I left and Robert ranting when I got back. <laughs> Hope it wasn't like a 15 minute rant. But Pretty good summation of uh, the Let's Run podcast. No, did, he. he I has anyone read Steve Soprano's post? Well, yeah, we, we, we raised Steve's point and we said that was sort of our, that's our main statement defense explanation and that's that's sort of the let's run position is my whole thing with this is i thought steve's point was just tremendous there's a difference between having some natural biases and being misogynistic and whatnot and even phoebe wright's comments she's like this is how bias works we exclude the thing whatchamacallit meanwhile she's saying she favors women races races that's totally biased in it on its own so just, just the name calling in today's society—it's—it's it's not good, I don't think. And 
we grouped women's sports and men's sport together and tried to treat them the same. Did we do it perfectly? I have no idea. But like, you know, you you can't worry about every critic. You want to hear what people say. I respect Alicia. She's done a lot to inspire people, but like move on. Like, you know, that's one thing I've learned with kind of having a public sphere. A lot of people are going to be upset. So, yeah. No, I knew I knew when we did, I knew that we would someone would be upset, not just you know, some I wasn't saying this specific outcome, but even with the way the votes go, there's always going to be someone complaining, oh, this race should have been higher. This, how is this race not included? Why are these two races in the final? Even Robert is furious and threatening to shut down the site because Kipchoge might win this bracket. So everyone's going to be mad about something if we do some public tournament about it. But I was hoping part of the reason we did this was just to celebrate how many amazing athletes and amazing races did take place during this decade. And I think that's something that shouldn't be lost is that, I was just looking back. I'm like, oh my God, how lucky are we to be fans of this sport? Like some of these races, I got to see the Van Niekerk world record in person. And that's still like what maybe the favorite, my favorite race I've ever seen. Just seeing him obliterate everyone from lane eight in 4303. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just, it's awesome. And I can't wait to see what 2020 has in store. Olympic trials, Olympics, you know, all these different races. It's going to be, I, don't know, I just think I'm lucky to be a fan of this great sport. Yeah, track and field also is the it's the one sport where women and men compete simultaneously at the same time, usually at most track meets. I mean, is any other sport like that? I guess you have you could argue tennis, but usually, you know, there's still a men's match going on than a women's match. I mean, there are different days, the finals, that sort of thing. Track, it's sort of one collective thing, the prize money's equal. There there aren't really separate tours. It's 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 very unique. Re- related to that, did he, Anybody see the Billy Witz article in the New York Times on Sunday? No idea what you're talking about, Weldon. All right, good. It was about the women's NCAA volleyball Final Four. And this year at the Final Four, like every year at the Final Four, I guess not every year at the Final Four, but all four coaches of the women's teams were men. And I was pointing out in the history, this is kind of shocking to me, in the history of NCAA women's volleyball, there's never been a a women's coach head coach of the winning team, which kind of surprised me. And I can kind of, I was like, oh, of course the Times has this article. They're very, you know, like this, their sports section, a lot of times is it more about the intersection of, you know, sport and class and just sport itself. I'm like, oh, this is, this is an article right up the rally. But I thought it interesting. They never posed the question. People are like, oh, we need more women's coaches of women's sports. What? I, we're not even asking the question, though. Why aren't women coaching men's sports? Like a woman could be a head coach of of an NBA team or a men's college basketball team. There isn't a single one, like not a single coach, much less national champion. I mean, I think that's sort of way more sexist. We're sort of assuming like women, women's sports is relegated to this women's spheres. Like, no, women can coach men. And so I think we, by treating men and women's sports as as the same, um, we're sort of elevating the attempt is to elevate women's sports and sort of keep it on the same plane because a lot of people make the argument women's sports is on an absolute inferior level. And some people don't understand what when people make that argument, what they're saying, they're just saying the top men's team, you line them up versus top women's team, the top man versus top woman, the top man's going to win every single time in pretty much every single sport. So that's, the, you know, at the elite level, like men's support is, I don't know what the word, a superior isn't the right word, but on an absolute level, the men w- will win, right? It, it, it's at a, just because men are stronger and faster. I'm sure maybe there's a couple of sports where, those things aren't an advantage, but uh, I think people get that, right? Right. Robert made that point earlier. And for some people, that's a deal breaker. For some men, and they will 
always say, I prefer men's sport to women's sport, and more, these are inherently better because they're just on an absolute level better performances. But for a lot of people, it's not a deal breaker. A lot of people don't care. They say, look, the drama is exactly the same in both sides, and it's about storylines, it's about the athletes themselves, it's not about absolute performance. So it really, it's how you interpret and are a fan of sport. Yes. I mean, one thing back to the women's sports, that's why I was a big fan of women's tennis. Back before the era now with Federer and these guys, I didn't like men's tennis nearly as much as women's tennis. It was about the battle between two people. It was about two great champions battling against each other. And to me, men's tennis was boring because Sampras would just serve on the grass and that would be the point. Now that the men are such incredible athletes, they actually have long rallies like the women. But I prefer the women's game because there was more rallies. But for mo- for a lot of sports, like, I don't know. If you had an NFL for women, it, it just may not be as aesthetically pleasing as for the men because the bombs, they, they couldn't throw a 50-yard bomb. They could only throw like a 20-yard bomb or 30-yard bomb. Or the, the women's basketball, you don't have dunks. You know, it, 20 yard bomb, Robert, come on. It would be like 10% less. So you need to be accurate when you make no, well, assumptions the, the, like that. The, the, the activity that women are, are by far the worst at compared to men is throwing. Like the, the fastest fastball ever thrown by a woman is like, well, in David Epstein's book, I think it was in the 70s. Now it's up to the 80s, I think. So yeah, maybe, I mean, uh, consistently, well, then, uh, you know, I think it would probably This be, is an irrelevant discussion. The bombs wouldn't be as longer. We We know that. And that the hits wouldn't be as hard. So yeah, and also they'd be working. The NFL's been around a hundred years, and I don't know what the longest established women's pro league is, but it's never on TV. It's not ingrained in American pop culture. No, all like I'm the saying NFL. is some things it just doesn't look well. But I, in women's soccer, it doesn't I don't notice it. I don't notice the fact that it's slower doesn't bother me that much. Whereas I've heard some men say that it does. So yes, we get your point that on an absolute level, the men's sport is faster. That doesn't necessarily mean it's better. All right. Okay. We're moving on. I'm keeping this thing moving along. Speaking of controversy, did you guys see that Diestat came out with its end-of-the-year rankings? It's kind of weird. It's one of the few sports where we have, I guess, cross-country, we have end-of-the-year rankings because we have multiple national high school championships. And Zofia Dudak was ranked number 1A, and Caitlin Tuohy was ranked number 1B. Meaning they're supposed to be, I think, code number ones. But Twitter, social media. I always think 1A is supposed to be slightly better than 1B. Is that not the way we're supposed to interpret it? I'm not sure. I haven't read the article. <laughs> Good point, John. Good point. <laughs> That's the, usually but, the way I interpret it. But also, I'm going to say this This is a cop-out. World rankings... It's about making the hard choices. Like, look, Track and Field News back in 2014, there were a bunch of really good marathoners. They made what I still think is the stupid decision to rank Elliot Kipchoge number one over Wilson Kipsang, even though Kipsang won New York and London that year. And look, Kipchoge has proven to be the better marathoner. I still think, I'm still mad at Track and Field News about that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, look, is it totally outrageous? Should people be losing their minds over it? I don't think so, but I also disagree. Zofia Dudek lost a race this season. Caitlin Tui did not do that. Tui's speed ratings were consistently the best throughout the season. Yes, she barely won NXN, but she did win it, her third straight title. I think Caitlin Tui was the best high school runner in the country this year. I'm kind of surprised uh, Dystat went that way, but I think they encountered the problem. They're like, look, Tui ran NXN, and Dudek ran Footlocker. They didn't race, and they went... So that that... Chose the, and also, in terms of the races themselves, Dudek's Footlocker run was better than Tui's NXN run. If you're going solely by their championship performance, but 
I think there's more to it than that, and I would have gone with Tui. Okay, I've done what a proper journalist has, should do, that I've read or at least looked at the article by Doug Binder on Diestat, and they are co-number ones. Point of order, if co-number ones, I suggest not using 1A and 1B, but co-number ones. I, I get the argument. I mean, you could say Dudek also. Do you have to? Is it a regional qualifying race? There's no advantage to winning it, so that's the only race she didn't win the whole year. At the college, collegiate ranks, we think nothing if someone doesn't win a regional because they may not be going all out. Very good point. I don't have a problem with the code number one. It sounds like someone trying to write a little bit of a clickbait article by naming 1A and 1B. To me, the big news about Tui in cross country, while we're talking about it, is yesterday came out that she has declared not for one of the traditional powers, although they've got a very strong program quietly over sort of the last decade. She'll be headed to NC State next year to run for Coach Lori Hennis. And I think it's a great choice. I'm very excited about this. I'm sick and tired of the same school. As someone who coached in college for 10 years myself, I'm like, so much of it is recruiting. So much of it is. And obviously the kids want to go to the best schools, so so many kids go to Stanford or whatever. And I'm just glad to see a different school get the number one recruit in the country. John, NC State has quietly been pretty good the last few years. And this year, it was a fantastic story. You had Lori Hinn as the coach, and her daughter, led by her daughter, I think was it Ellie's 10th place finish, was it? They finished one spot off the podium, I think, in fifth. Yeah, they were fifth this year, and they were they were definitely on the podium, I think, maybe 2017. They were on the podium fairly recently. And if you look at the talent they have on that roster for next season, it's going to be ridiculous. So they were fifth this year, and two of their top four were freshmen. They're the number one... American freshman in the field that was Kelsey uh, Chamille Camille I don't I think it's Camille so you spell it um, she was a stud remember she got second behind Tui at, at NXN the last two years uh, and then she was 22nd overall this year and then in addition to Tui they're getting Molly Stoliper who was the footlocker runner-up has run 441 for the mile 958 for two miles they've got Claire Walters from Fayetteville Manlius she's been top five at NXN three times they're getting Jenna Schultz, who was nineteenth, twenty second, and thirteenth at the last three NXNs, and they're getting Alyssa Hendricks, who was top twenty at Footlockers three different years. So this could be—I I would have to go through the numbers—but there were some people in my Twitter comments saying this, and I agree. This could be potentially the greatest high school recruiting class of all time when you look at the talent they're bringing in, because Tui, in my opinion, is the best girls' high school cross country runner we've ever seen. And then add in Stalipur, Walters, Schultz, Hendricks, and put the put the, you know this team potentially you know asking them to win a national championship immediately that's a lot of pressure. But I think you look at the amount of talent on that. I, I would love to see some sort of like Fab Five type thing with Michigan or you know or, or Kentucky what they've done in the NCAA a few times where they just throw out five freshman starters. I think I guess Camille's going to be on there because she's a sophomore. But I think it'd be awesome if they just ran like five freshmen in that top seven at pre-nats and you know see see how they do against the field i'm excited to see how they do over the next few years in raleigh it's amazing the recruiting class they got and it's not like Lori's a new coach at nc state and she's gotten some good recruits in the past like was it wesley frazier did she transfer in but wesley Fra- i think wesley frazier transferred from duke but then ryan frazier who's wesley's sister i believe went to nc state straight out of high school but I wonder if the fact that she's a mother, 
her daughter Ellie's on the team, if that now with all what's going on in sort of women's sport and Mary Kane, if it makes the, the recruiting much is easier. Look, my daughter's on the team. You're you're like part of the family. It's a very simple message and good for them to sort of shake up the apple cart. But yeah, that's a good point, Weldon. I mean, actually, I just looked it up while y'all were talking. They were fourth in 2016. That was the first time they were on the podium, I think, since 2001. But yeah, remember, Tui's parents have said they've specifically used Mary Kane as an example of what not what to do. And the, the Mary Kane thing, you know, she A, went pro early. B, she was um, coached by, hey, maybe he's a misogynist or jerk, Alberto Salazar. So I do think the fact that, you know, Lori can now sit in a recruit's office and say, hey, I just coached my daughter to top 10 in the NCAAs. They're gonna, the parents are naturally going to assume that you're not some male psychopath who's mistreating these women. You know what I'm saying? You're probably going to have a, a, a better understanding of, of you know, the, the triad and all that stuff. So I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to make a big breakthrough in the recruiting. But uh, to me, this is very exciting. In some ways, this reminds me a little bit of Syracuse on the men's side. I mean, Syracuse had a, had a had a pretty strong program. They were winning ACC titles. They were winning Big East titles when they were in the Big East for the men. But nobody's paying attention to you really on the national level. I know maybe you're fourth and you're on the podium. That is national level. But as John says, the podium really should only be three deep unless you're contending for a national championship. So can they make that next jump to NCAA title contending? Well, I think you were going to say in Syracuse really didn't make that jump. Until they got a huge recruit. That's what I thought he was going to say. Like, here's the thing. Here's how you win NCAAs. You need studs, okay? Syracuse was really good, but Justin Knight was the guy. Like, Marty Hejo was great in building that program. Justin Knight was the guy that took them over the top. He's why they won NCAAs, because you need to have that total stud at the front of the pack. And, you know, Ellie Hennis, top 10, that was pretty close to it. But I think Caitlin Tui, with her and Camille, that gives them two potential top 10 women next year. Like... Just you, it's really, really helpful in winning NCAA's to have one of the best runners in the NCAA, and Caitlin Tui does project to be that. Robert, are you changing your predictions on Tui's collegiate success now? Now she'll be mentored by a mother. I didn't say she wouldn't be successful. I, I think already. I think if you put her in right now in the high school rank in the college, I think she'd certainly be a top twenty person. I'm just saying I'm not convinced that she's going to be the next great American pro. So I, yeah, no, I'm certainly now very much rooting for her to have college success. I want to see this team win a national championship. But remember, my high school expert friend, wasn't he all over Starlipper, John? Isn't that the guy? Isn't that the one that he wanted? I don't talk to your friend, Robert. You would have to. Well, I said it in last week's podcast. Starlipper's from Pennsylvania. Yes, you did. She's from Pennsylvania, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yep. So maybe she'll be the one leading them to the national championship. Well, they got both. That's the beauty. They they have two of them. So that'll be exciting. And then on the men's side, it's interesting. The same exact day, Nico Young, just hours earlier, he announced the NXN champion for 2019. He announced he'll be taking his talents to Flagstaff. And he's joining the Lumberjack, the budding dynasty at NAU, and just ratchets up the you know NAU-BYU war over the next few years. Because NAU, they were second this year. BYU is going to be bringing back some good, a good roster. You know They'll have guys back from missions as well. But NAU, three of their top four from this runner-up team this fall were freshmen. Add in Nico Young, who has you know, been the best high school runner, I would say, for the, for the last few, couple of years with the season he put together in 2019. 
and he could make an impact as a true freshman. They might choose to redshirt him, but I think I, don't know, I think this kid's special, and he might be good enough to run right away. I you know I think it, NAU does this make them the favorites next year? Or is it still BYU? Wait 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 wait. wait, wait. Might redshirt him? What? Hopefully the people have learned from Jerry Schumacher's mistake from 15 years ago. You don't redshirt the best runner in America as a freshman. That's idiotic. Well, Stanford redshirted Liam Anderson, who was the NXN champion from last year. He redshirted this fall. NAU was my favorite to begin with for next year. I think they're building a dynasty. They train at altitude. BYU trains at altitude, too, just so you know. And Good Colorado. Point. How about some love for Colorado? They do it with all Americans. This is disappointing to me. I don't need NAU getting even more powerful. They've already had a juggernaut underclassman team. I need Wetmore getting back in the game with some stud recruits. Colorado is third place. They finished one point out of second this year. They've, they've been in the game. They've I know, the but if they had a stud years. like this, they could be put back over to the top. Goucher, Ritz. Jorge Torres. Right. I wish a few people would go back to Colorado. It's kind of crazy. Last week, I was anointed the father of the podcast. So can I claim to be the father of the Flagstaff running boom? There yeah. were some f- no, a few I- top women there before me, but like as a Flagstaff supporter and backer, I'm kind of like, I hate to say it now, kind of glad that NAU lost this year because I don't want them to win like 10 in a row, and now they got to start again from scratch. I think they run off four in a row. This so, sh- except for the Dallas- This year was good for them and good for the sport. You don't want 12 in a row. 100% agree, except for the Dallas Cowboys. Walden, I like to, to root for the underdog. We were all for NAU. And they were what the do you, wait, 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 wait. Except for the Dallas Cowboys? You guys haven't been even... I, can, I have been alive for 28 years. I can't ever remember the Cowboys being in the Super Bowl. So they're not the underdog. So if, if they're anything, they are the underdog. They have the money and the resources. They shouldn't be on the underdog if they weren't okay. run poorly. But we there used we to root for NAU when they were not that great. And now that they're this powerhouse, I'm trying to root for somebody else. So anyways, but can I also, please, the next time you, one of you listeners thinks about emailing me for there's too much pressure and hype on these high schoolers, you can't let people talk about them on the message board. It could damage them and they, they might harm themselves or quit the sport forever. Please, I, I don't want to hear it anymore. Yes, I, I will require, you know, I will try to require registration if they're talking about a prominent high school athlete. I will monitor that high, more. But these athletes are bringing the pressure on themselves. Did you see how he announced it, John? There's some nonprofit film thing called Tempo Sports. They made this documentary with the audio fading in and out and video. And, you know, it was a three minute video. It wasn't a documentary, Robert. I, I just. I don't know. I know everyone wants to do their thing on Instagram and the local TV news, but can't we just sign it in and fax it in with a little fanfare? Fax it in. Fax it in. Robert doesn't want any excitement about this. He'd rather some newspaper break it in a wire story and it shows up in the transactions column. Like, Robert, let the kid have fun with it. Someone probably came up, hey, we'll come up with this cool video. It'll be exciting. You know, he's the number one recruit in the country. People should be excited about him. To criticize him for being part of a three-minute video where he's saying where he's going to college? I mean, it's just absurd. Okay, so so then should I just join the hype and, 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 and contribute to the downfall of American society? When Twitter started, I wanted to have a change. Let's run.com where dreams become a reality. I thought Twitter was the dumbest thing ever. I wanted to put, we don't tweet. And we didn't tweet for a number of years. Now we've joined the bandwagon. So high schoolers, next year, if you want to announce your thing, or even if you haven't committed early, we can do it live on Let's Run. We'll put you right on there. We'll give you a black page. 
and you can announce it live and let's run. I can't wait for the first high schooler to take me up on the offer, John. Yeah, I'm sure they'll all be lining up at your door, Robert, when you've just said that you don't like social media or hype videos. Well, do it now. Suggested having them commit via fax. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be all the high schoolers will want to announce when they're going to college with us. I I like it if it's going to benefit my back pocket, but this was one of the things that's sort of like, you know, it's... it's, So you tell, your pitch to them is come announce your college decision on Let's Run so we can make some money off of page views but from from your decision. That's that's your pitch, basically. Versus letting Google make money off the t- video? Yes. This misand- mis- misandry? Is that the word? Misandry? Hatred of men must stop. Oh, that's true. Weldon's got a good point. I've been all about praising Tui and her decision and slamming this decision by a man. I must hate men. All right, uh, that's our high school wrap up. There weren't really any races to talk about from the past week, so that is false, John. That is false. There was a big race, big performance this week. Race results weekly, maybe in vacation, but there was one huge performance this weekend. And I can't believe you guys are ignoring it. Chad Hall, Footlocker champion, brother of Ryan Hall, ran a one hundred three half marathon. Favorite for the trials, one eight four four. Let's run. Option seven. Discuss. Yeah, if you if you uh. If you're missing hyping up Ryan Hall, you know, or maybe you, you're not, you know, you don't want to hype up Sarah Hall. We've got another Hall for you to hype up going into the trials. Chad Hall. Uh, I, I, I'm amazed he's still running. Like he's, he's one of those guys. He won Footlockers. He goes to Oregon, transfers to UC Riverside. Never really had the college career commensurate with his high school success. And then I kind of just assume, like, yeah, he's. You know, I, I haven't thought about Chad Hall in, you know, five or six years. I just assume, you know, the guy stops running like a lot of us. And no, s- still going. Trials qualifier. Hope he runs the trials. Glad to see it. I'm always happy to see people running and, you know, having fun, continuing their careers post-college. Well, I've got some bad news, guys. The second post on the message board claims that the course is significantly downhill and may not be allowed for a trials qualifier. Oh, I, I got even worse news because I've now actually read more into the thread as well. Someone says that, oh, and that uh, my immediate question was, you know, what shoes was he wearing? I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, what do they say in the thread? Someone's like 600 foot elevation drop and vapor flies. And then someone says dot, dot, dot. The next post says, nope, the net elevation drop was not 600 feet, but 711 feet. Guys are claiming you can take seven minutes off your time. Yeah, that. wait. What when you add that and the vapor flies? What is this performance actually worth? But is he just jogging backwards or what? Since Weldon has anointed him as an Olympic trials contender, I mean, if if you guys can anoint me as an Olympic trials qualifier and actually qualify, we could anoint Chad a contender, even if he's not even in the trials. But John, this gets us back to last week's podcast when I ask, should we pay for a two-year sabbatical? Well, you try to make the trials, the 2024 trials, because, John, this is amazing. He was a footlocker champion, yet at UC Riverside, his PRs were 1431 and 2954. That means you, Jonathan Galt, are faster than a footlocker champion. You could be doing this if you got the right type of shoes, the right course, and, of course, the right African doctor to give you the EPO and the whatnot. I, I'm insulted you even... even float that suggestion that i would do things out, outside of the regulations but yeah you're also robert you're like talking about me as if i can still run those times that was 2013 jonathan goal 2019 soon to be 2020 jonathan goal is not nearly as fast i was a i think it was what 1613 was my time in my local 5k with last time i raced that was in september and i'm haven't really been training that much since then so 
it'll be a long, long road to wherever the 2024 trials will be. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, that's a, that's a that was our race race recap of the week. Uh, do we well? Where did this race take place? Do we even have a name of the of the venue or the location? Uh, yes, we do. It was in San Diego, the San Diego Holiday Half Marathon. It is point to point, and it looks like about 170 feet net elevation drop. I thought you said it was 700 feet. Net Excuse me, 170 meters. Meters. <laughs> okay. But speaking of races, we plugged this about last week. But if you're looking for a race to do, you need to do the Atlanta Publix Atlanta Half Marathon Marathon and 5K the day after the Olympic Marathon Trials. Make it a great weekend in New York, in Atlanta. See the Let's Run.com crew. Watch the trials. Run a race the next day. It doesn't get any better than that. If you've never been to an Olympic Marathon Trials, it's as good as it gets in America. So highly recommend you guys doing that. Link will be in the show notes. I think it's a good idea, too, because it'll give you something to train for, the hardest months to train for the next two months in the winter in the Northeast. But if you have a goal, it'll help you get out the door. But, guys, the decade is coming to an end, and we're going to be have some having some end-of-the-decade articles coming out. Of course, our end-of-the-year rankings as well. But I was thinking about writing my own end-of-the-year decade, and I'm going to let the viewers sort of – I'm going to give you a sneak peek of what it's going to be about right now. Guys, if you could take a time machine back to January 1, well, let's go back to, let's say January 1, 2010. So it's the first day of the decade. And I tell you the following is going to happen in the next 10 years. What do you think, which of the following do you think would most shock you? Like you're like, no freaking way this would happen. I would say American-born mid-D and distance athletes will win 25 medals at the World or Olympics in the 2010s. That's how many they won if I counted correctly. Whereas in the previous 10 years, I think America had only won four global medals. Dina Castor won a bronze, Kara Goucher a silver, Shailene Flanagan a bronze, and Shannon Robray a bronze. I think it was four the decade before. No, none. You missed Meb. American born, I said. Um, 25 to four. I, I, the reason why I did American born mainly was because Lagat was winning some for Kenya and some for America, and I didn't want to get into that crap. So, but anyways, it went way, way, way up. Um, so would you have found that to be totally believing me? Or Alberto Salazar, he'd been with an Oregon project for nine years. They had produced a single medal. Kara Goucher. What if I told you that Nike Oregon Project's athletes would win 17 global medals, including 12 global golds? Would that have been more shocking? Or Galen Rupp, the guy who had a 357 mile PR at the beginning of the decade, I tell you he'll run a 350 indoor mile plus win a world marathon major in, in the marathon and a, and a 10,000 medal at the Olympics. I think it's the American-born stat, because if you look back at the 2000s, they had occasional success. What was it? It was the, the women's you mentioned were Robery, Goucher, uh, Dina Castor, and then... Flanagan. Flanagan. So it was all women. So basically none on the men's side. Uh, Lagarde and Meb were winning medals, but they weren't born in America. So I would have been very surprised to... And I guess Taken Camp did come pretty close in Osaka, but 25 just still, I'm amazed by that number, Robert, that it's that many. And you think of the progress you've made, like if you told me women's steeple, that would be competitive, the America would be competitive in the men's and women's steeple chase. I mean, those events were wastelands for the US in the 2000s. So 
for them to be competitive in those, that that's a phenomenal turnaround. And then it seems like every year America is producing another stud in the men's 800 meters. You got Wilson and Raven Rogers. I mean, I, I, the turnaround that that is one of the stories of the decade is just Americans are competitive in almost every distance event on the track these days. You, you know, you take out the 10,000s, even we did medal. I mean, Infeld medaled in the 10,000, Rupp medaled in the 10,000. You get once, it's a rarer, but especially in the 1500, 800 and steeple, they're all right up there. It's it's really impressive. I think that to me is the most stack, shocking stat. And it'll be interesting, folks. Our interview with Foot Locker champion Josh Methner, I think, will, is not going to be coming this week. It'll probably be next week or the week after. But one thing when we talk to him is like, He's been raised in this decade where it's normal for Americans to be competing. You know, we were raised in the decade when Americans were only sending one marathoner to the trials. So it's interesting. Like To the Olympics, not the trials. Yeah, to the Olympics. So what they're thinking of. So I, I have a, I, a, a few other options, too, that were which would have been more shocking. What if I told you on that January 1st, 2010, that Chris Zelensky, who had just finished 12th in the 5,000-meter final, in 2009, it has a 13-12 PV. What if I told you he'll run 12-55 and 26-59 in the next year? Would you have believed that? Or how about this? A human being who there's zero drug allegations about will run a 26.2-mile flat race in one hour, well, flat distance, in one hour and 59 minutes and 41 seconds. Um the women's 1500 steeple, 10K, and marathon world records will all be smashed by women. Will be broken by people who none of them have tested po- dope, testing positive for anything. That would have been pretty shocking, I think. Well, Ruth Chabet broke the women's steeple world record and then was later popped. And her record was broken, but that one was, I don't know, if we're picking nets there, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, th- I think the 159 thing, because I, I, I just don't think anyone until the development of the shoes of, well, what we had two things. We had the greatest marathoner of all time. Ran was in his prime in this decade, and we didn't even know who that. We I guess if you had told me there's going to be some guy who was a stud on the track, and then he becomes in the 2010s, he becomes the greatest marathoner of all time. I think everyone would have assumed you meant Kenisa Bekele. So for Kipchoge to do that, that's one. And then you add in the developments and the shoe technology and all the you know marginal gains with the course and the, the pacing formations, all that stuff. I just don't think what was the world record at the start of this decade? It was it was Haile G's two oh three fifty nine, right? So to go from there over four minutes off the world record within ten years, I just I don't I don't think I would have believed that. But we only went two minutes if you think about it. And with the new shoes? But I did I wouldn't I would have thought back then, and maybe I think you guys would have too, I couldn't have seen foreseen any developments. I, I in my mind I wouldn't have thought there's no way, even if they optimize everything i was like no way they can get four minutes off of this thing not on a flat course i would have said no way in hell right exactly part of my my article is like give me your reactions and i was sort of giving people's sample reactions like if i told you salazar's athletes would do this most people would say like okay did he go back to the athletics west ways what drugs were they on or what foreigners did he import and in reality well the drug allegations on the athletes isn't proven He's banned from the sport, and he did bring in foreigners. So what actually happened there isn't that shocking. If I told you someone ran a 159 marathon, you would think, okay, downhill and downhill and down a mountain. That's the only way you would think of it. And if I told you no, I mean flat, you would think, what are they wearing? Like rollerblades or rockets on their shoes, which 
again, isn't that weird from what happened. So it's kind of interesting. A few more things. I actually would say, which is more unbelievable? What if I told you that a shoe company will develop a shoe that is 4% more efficiently, secretly give it to to the three men and three women oh, who, here we go. Dig who sweep the damn medals in the Olympics? <laughs> the mechanical doping, nothing's done there. You know, what, is that more shocking? Or how about at the U.S. high school level? An athlete will run in the boys' state meet indoors and then win state titles outdoors, and hey, nothing wrong with that either. I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit that's happened in the last 10 years. Well, how about the high school boys, you know, the mile? How many sub-four miles have we had this this decade? I think entering the decade, it was only four. It was Marty LaCorey, Jim Ryan, um, Alan Webb, and... Oh, who was it? Danielson, right? Tom Danielson, is that the guy? Uh, and Tim Danielson, my apologies. And this decade, we've had one. We had Drew Hunter, Reed Brown, Matthew Mayton, Grant Fisher, Michael Slagowski, and Lucas Vosbikas. So we've had six guys do it in the last 10 years. And it's it's to that point where another high school breaks the mile, it breaks four minutes in the mile. You think, okay, that's that's great, but you're not... You know, you're not freaking out. You're not losing your minds over it, which is kind of crazy that they normalize that. I'm not thinking that's great. Now I'm thinking, shit, they're not going to be any good anymore. I mean, of those six, John, are any of them any good? Drew Hunter has just made the world championship team at age 21. Hunter He's Fisher, what are the other four? Grant Fisher's very good. Reed Brown doing okay in college. Matthew Mayton appears to have, you know, slid off the face of the earth. Michael Slagowski, no idea what he's up to these days. So the, the two studs, uh, one guy who's doing okay in college and two guys who've disappeared. And then Vosbik, sorry, Vosbik has disappeared as well. But that was more injury related. So I don't know. But you look at the all-time list of any any top 10 event. I mean, look at the men's 800. Michael Granville, George Kirsch. Michael Granville is the number one guy in the 800 high school ranks. He never did anything. But at number four, Donovan Brazier, 147. He won the Worlds at age 21 or 22. So so I don't think it's any different from any other event. Or a lot of other sports. I think maybe basketball might be the exception, but like Freddie Adu in soccer. I mean, the- Sebastian Telfair, he was supposed to be a phenom. He was like a middling NBA guard, you know? Right. Like number one pick. So Anthony Bennett. 2013 like even even coming out of college they're they're bus you know it, it's just hard to project success that's a good point but for me we, we we needed the official alberto salazar segment so let me cue the music when they turn into the park it seems like the wind might be in their face it's salazar 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 i think the alberto salazar stuff was crazy just if you said all this stuff would happen he would win, what, the Olympic 1500, I guess World is the Olympics, but then just crush the women's 1500, 10K, get Olympic medals in the marathon, win the 5K, then get banned from the sport. Well, think of 2016. Within the span of 24 hours, he had athletes win the 1500, 5K, and bronze in the marathon. That's crazy. Three different athletes did that. It's just, you know... Crazy. And then he ends the decade by getting banned from the sport for four years. But think about how crazy the anti-doping fight is. Salazar's banned from the sport, but none of his athletes are banned. And then on the flip side, you've got the woman who broke the 1,500-meter world record. Her coach is arrested in Spain. Supposedly, EPO is found in the rooms. 
And here we are, what, four, five? How many years later is it? Three? I mean... Three and a half. Nothing's happened? Like, I need to touch up on my high school Spanish so I can call someone in Spain to see what the hell is going on with that case. That's that's New Year's resolution for you, Robert. I know. We, it, it, it is absurd. Because remember when that happened... Yama, ocho, cuatro, cuatro. What's the number? Let's you run. You got the number in Spanish. Uh, Let's run. But... No, you, it's career. crazy. Remember that story that happened in the summer of 2016. Tababa shows up. She gets silver at the Olympics. And everyone's like, what the hell? How is she even racing? Everyone's looking at performances with suspicion. And yeah, three years later, she's still competing. And there's, it's kind of crazy. And I still, I mean, I still look at performances with suspicion with because of that investigation. But it's kind of crazy. Arden, yeah, they found EPO vials at the hotel and everything. And you would think yet they had him dead to rights. And yet nothing... Nothing's really happened with it. Yeah, Athletics Integrity Unit podcast listeners, what the hell are you guys doing? That's where I wish we had sort of an update or a prosecutor or somebody would sort of kind of fill us in. And maybe you can't comment on investigations, but... Well, sometimes these things take time. I mean, look at the Salazar thing. That broke in 2015 was when the ProPublica BBC story came out, and it took them four years. Now, I don't think Auden has the resources of Nike to, to defend him like that, but sometimes these cases take a long time. All right, I want to go through quickly some more end-of-decade coverage. Robert mentioned he's got an article coming. We've also got one with Decade Awards, and I could sort of one give a preview some of our winners here, and you guys, if you have any problems with them. Men's distance runner, I had we had Elliot Kipchoge. Any issues, any disagreements there? To me, there are three candidates for this award. It's, it's Kipchoge, Rudisha, or Mo Farah. And I went with Kipchoge. I think he's the best marathon I've ever seen. I think he's been more dominant than the others, do you disagree? I don't disagree, but there's a reason even asterisk next to his name in, in the draft art of the article. So I, I think he does get the nod over Farah and Radisha, but they're, they're game for the podium. Robert put the asterisk there, so... You know, it's it's the shoes. We don't need to we don't need to rehash this. Or no, this can of I'm not going to rehash it, but we, I think it's appropriate. This has been a very controversial decade. Russia's been banned. Salazar's been banned. Um, you know, so on and so forth. Actually, trivia question, guys. People wonder why our sports not popular. Guess how many Olympic gold medalists from 2012 were stripped of their gold medals for for doping? I know only John could come close to this. Well, you said wasn't it like six or something that you said? Seven. Across all events, right? Are yeah. you counting relays? Seven. No, not counting relays. Seven individual events. Now, that's a lot of throws and stuff like that. Yeah. But we're going to give the women's award to Caster Semenya and the men's to Kipchoge. And I think they both deserve asterisks for different reasons. I don't deny that Kipchoge is the greatest marathoner ever. I think he would have been – he's never really had a bad marathon. But would his record be as good – Without the shoes, and I think the answer is no. Would he have beaten Gaia Adole in, in Berlin in 2017, I think it was? He only won by, like, what, 15 seconds, John? Without the shoes? I think he might have lost that race. So, you know, his, his win rate would still probably be absurd. And in most of these races, there are other athletes in the race with the same shoes as him. I mean, he crushed Rupp in the Olympics. But, I don't know. I just feel like... The times you can't compare across errors anymore because yeah yeah that definitely makes it difficult. And then the women, I mean Semenya, th- there are a lot of. I mean this was a tough call because I feel like there weren't quite like Farah totally dominated the five k and ten k. 
Rudisha dominated the 800 when he was healthy, and Kipchoge dominated the marathon. We didn't quite have it to that degree. Now, Semenya certainly dominated the 800 when she was, you know, not forced to take any medication or anything like that. So I think in terms of most dominant, it's her. But then, like, 1500, you have a couple different winners. You had Faith Kipigon. Jenny Simpson won a bunch of medals, but she only won one world title. Uh, Mary Katani had a runs in the marathon, but she, you know, she would get beat sometimes. Vivian Cheria all around really good in the marathon. She won some world titles on the track, but and Tiranesh Dababa, she won some Meserit Defar. I mean, you had a bunch of candidates here, but I think Semenya was undoubtedly the most dominant. But there are going to be some people saying, well, Semenya actually, she's not even allowed to compete in the women's category at the moment. So is is that a problem? I think it's great. I think Semenya is perfect for this decade because. It's a society and a sport, like this whole intersex issue and somewhat tangentially related to transgender issue. We just came a long way and learned so much. And, uh, you know, we've, we've sort of all been in agreement that we think personally she shouldn't be allowed to compete at the most advanced levels. But I understand the argument that she should be. Um, so I think with all that she did and all that it represents and just all the stuff related to it. She's a perfect winner for what sort of some of the progress we made as a society in the decade. Yeah, but I really, and I've said this all along, I really think the rise of transgender acceptance is really hurting Semenya. If it wasn't for the fact that you can now identify however you want to be in terms of male or female, for the most part in, in general society, at least in the sort of first world countries, you know, I, I think the argument of, well, however you're born, you know, if you don't have male genitalia, you should be a woman or whatever that would be a more powerful argument, but now we're letting Bruce Jenner become Caitlyn Jenner. And clearly we can't let Caitlyn Jenner compete in the Olympics without some sort of, uh, testosterone restriction. So it's been interesting how those two things have sort of, I think damaged her, the argument on her behalf. Yeah. It would be interesting if this transgender movement hadn't picked up so much steam and there was only intersex athletes if we view it differently and so many would still be competing. I think that's a strong argument to make. I got to think this upcoming decade, we're going to have an elite transgender athlete who is probably going to make a, try to fight to compete without lowering their levels or something like that. I don't know. I, I feel like that's story. The more transgender acceptance becomes more widely widespread around the world, I feel like more likely it is we're going to have someone who's going to say, I shouldn't be forced to change my body or you shouldn't, the governing body shouldn't be telling me how I change my body, you know? Yeah. It's actually interesting because I feel like I've been arguing this is unfair for a long time and who would most benefit from this? It would have been Alicia Montano. I mean, if you, if you took away the Russian dopers and Castro Semenya, I mean, how many medals would she have? It would be amazing. Now, Podcast listeners, we here at Let's Run know who John and us are going to name as the U.S. winners of the year for the decade. I mean, just but it's fun to play along. Guess, like, who's going to be the U.S. male distance runner of the year? John, give them a couple possibilities of the decade. All right, so let's throw out some. We got Galen Rupp, two Olympic medals, Chicago Marathon victory, uh, American record in the 10,000 meters, a bunch of U.S. titles in, that de- in this distance as well. Uh, Matthew Centrowitz, Olympic gold medal, two world championship golds, world indoor title, and fourth at the Olympics. Uh, no American records, though, for Matthew. Evan Jager, easily the greatest American steeplechaser of all time. World championship bronze, Olympic silver, American record. Almost the first non-African-born athlete to go under eight minutes. And ooh, 800 
well, it's like here. Spoiler alert: it's not going to be any hundred runner. So I think those sort of those are the. Th- I guess Donovan Brazier, Donovan Brazier, yeah, world title, but he, American. Amer- world title, American record. It's good. He doesn't have quite the track record of success as other guys. I guess you can throw up Meb in there. Boston Marathon title. He had some top fives at majors. He won. He was fourth at the 2012 Olympics. Won the 2012 Olympic trials. He had a pretty good decade. Folks, we're obviously only talking about mid D and distance runners for our awards, but and for the women. The, the options that we have a lot of great women's marathoners. Amy Craig won a bronze in the world. Jordan Hesse, 220 in Chicago. Um, Shailene Flanagan and Des Linden both won majors. So those are the marathoners. You've got A.G. Wilson with the American record in the 800. And how many medals did she get, John? Uh, two medals outdoors, two medals indoors. Also, I got to step in, Robert. Here's part of my crusade to get you to pronounce people's names correctly RJ. RJ Wilson, not AG. How does the apostrophe at the end impact the pronunciation? It just tu- I think it turns it from an E into an, an A, like the way I say it as opposed to the way you say it. It's so, RJ. It's RJ. Hmm. Wouldn't it just be, well, it's easier to spell it, just A-J-A-Y? Well, I don't know. Not ever. That's not how my, my parents... Or is it kind of a soft J, like RJ, like a Z on RJ? Yeah, RJ, kind Instead of. Instead of J, yeah. RJ? Oh, I think, oh, RJ, or I think it's RJ, but it could be RJ. It's not AG, I'll tell you that. Okay, enough talk of RJ, RJ, pronunciation. She's a candidate, as is world champion Emma Coburn, who also won a couple other, how many other medals, John, besides the silver this year and then bronze at the Olympics? So she's got three. Um, Molly Huddle should have had a medal, but she didn't, but she did a lot of things on the roads. Shelby Houlihan's got the American record in the 1500. And the 5K. And the 5,000, yes. And don't forget Jenny Simpson. She's a candidate. How many medals, John? <laughs> Four medals. I love I love your trust that I'm always going to be backing you up with this stuff, Robert. But 2011 world title, 2013 silver, 2017 silver, and 2016 Olympic bronze. This came up last week, and I'm starting to get offended. He never says, Weldon, you know, how many medals? Well, Weldon, I think if he'd said, Weldon, how many medals, you'd been said, wait a minute, hold on once, let me look it up. I would have fired off right away. I guess it's beneath me, you know, like it's the father. I should let the son sort of answer these questions. Just just, carry on. Just be honest, Weldon. Did you know the answer to that question? What's the question? The pause tells you everything you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I would be, uh, if I was a great NFL coach, I would, I would, I would be in charge of the, of the overall strategy and going foot and fourth down, and telling these guys this game was important. It's more important than the Redskins game the next week. But John, I would, you'd be my offensive coordinator. I said, John, we need a pass play. What are the options? And you give me three or four. And I'd say, yeah, go with that one. Because I would, I would have forgotten them with him. This is just like you know, you know what this is like. This is how. Uh, USATF pays a huge stipend every year to uh, the people who negotiated the Nike deal, like the consultants, because they negotiated this big deal. You guys should get credit for hiring me because then I can back up your stats that way. So really, it was a smart move on your part. It's all anything that I do that helps the site really goes back to you guys for, for making the decision to hire. Speaking of the site, it's your final podcast of the year to tip Jonathan Galt. You will get the tips before the end of the year. Hit up the tip jar in the show. <laughs> will, will I? Is this is going to happen, is it? I feel like it's a running joke at this point. This mysterious no. tip jar that may or may not exist. That it exists. I've never seen any proceeds from. Um. So, all right, let's let's announce our winners, men's and women's 
US runner of the decade. Oh well, what, Robert, before we get to that breaking breaking news, what is what have you got? You got something to say, Robert? Just wanted to get the appropriate sound effects, John. And the U.S. Runner of the Years are... Men's winner. Come on down, Matthew Senchowitz, the 2016 Olympic champion. He was the only American man or woman to win a gold medal at the Olympics and the distance events this decade. And when you add in that to the world title, two other medals in the 1500 outdoors, I think it's I think it's got to be Centro. He's just he's been the best. He burst onto the scene with that upset of Bernard Lagarde in 2011. He's been consistently the best miler in the United States. I think he's the best American miler of all time at this point. I, I would say that title belongs to him as well. I don't think you give him enough credit. He's not just the only American to win a gold medal this decade, John. No American male or female had won an Olympic gold medal in a mid-years event since Joe Benoit, right, in 84? Correct. And no man had done it since 72, Dave Waddle and Frank Shorter. So it's been many, many decades. And the women's award goes to... Jennifer Simpson, who may, I think she may be, I don't remember, I think she began the decade as Jenny Barringer, but she is your U.S. women's distance runner of the decade, according to Let'sRun.com. And again, here's the thing. She has the gold medal. It was world championships, not Olympics, but it's still, you know, basically, you know, pretty, pretty close. Um, the only other women to win a world uh, outdoor gold was Emma Coburn, 2017. So right off the bat, you know, she's got one, something that only one other woman has. And I know that Des and Shalane won major marathons, which you could say, you know, close to world titles, but Jay has that, but then she's also got three other medals. That's more than anyone else. And also remember, she began this decade. She didn't actually run a steeple, so I'm not going to give her credit for this in the decade, but she began the decade as the American record holder in the steeplechase and held that until 2015. So, or maybe it's 2015 or 2016. I'm trying to remember when, because Coburn ran faster in 2014, but didn't get ratified. So anyway, that that's a picking, you know, that's inside baseball stuff. But Jay Simpson, yeah, with her medals, she just... So consistent, uh, really strong. She she had success in the, some success. She won a U.S. title in the 5K as well on the track. Uh, but overall, one of the best 1500 meters runners of the decade. One of the most decorated 1500 runners of any country all all time. I think it has to be her. And then you'd say, you know, Coburn. Might, Coburn might be second. Uh, I think because you know she got the world title and two other medals. Uh, and then I think you know the marathoners. I don't think they were quite as consistently at the, among the very best in their events as Coburn and Simpson were. One guy we sort of didn't talk much about was Meb. I wonder if Meb had won as New York in 2010 instead of 2009. He had a New York and Boston victory and a fourth in the Olympics in the same decade. That starts to become more interesting because Centro was fourth of that same Olympics. Then Centro won the Olympics in 2016. Yeah, two two major marathons. Oh, like what if he... What if he had like an Olympic medal, two major marathon victories? How do you weigh that against Centro? I guess it's good that we don't have to. It's crazy Meb got a medal in 2004. But yeah, what if what if all of Meb's, the bulk of his career, essentially it spanned a decade, right? 2004 to 2014. What if that had matched up with the calendar decade? Here's the thing about Meb. Was there ever a point where you said, this guy is the best marathoner in the world? And I think, 
there was never that point for me. Whereas Centro, I guess, was that point with you, like 2016? Did you say Centro when he wins Olympic gold, which is, you know, ostensibly to determine the best 1500 runner in the world? Did you say he's the best 1500 runner in the world? Or do you think still think Kiprop was the best and he just got his tactics are you, wrong? Are you kidding me? Centro, the best 1500 meter in the world? Never, ever, it's never even crossed my mind, John. He won the Olympics, man. Like, how, how did it cross you your mind? Me? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he won the Olympics of World Indoors. We ranked him number one in the world in 2016. I mean, I think it should cross your mind. He's never run that fast. I agree with Weldon. Kiprop ran like an idiot. Uh, assuming Kiprop... That's part of being a good 1500 runner. That's part of putting yourself in... Kiprop may have had the better time. Centro, tactically, much better. That's also part of being a good runner. Uh, I'm sure the head-to-head record, assuming if Center ran more than like two races, Kiprop might cling to Squawk throughout the year on the circuit. Line him up in any race. Who am I picking? I'm picking Kiprop like every single time over Centro. Centro didn't run any Diamond Leagues that year, so... Uh... Yeah, so I'm just saying. But outside of that, come on. You line him up in an obscure race. Let's, let's put... Ki- who cares Ki- if you line them up in an obscure race? Line them up in the Olympic final. That's what we judge people off of. You're telling me you go back to 2016, rerun the Olympic final, and, you, and you're gonna. I'm gonna give you ten. I just say, John, here's ten thousand dollars. Bet who's gonna win this race. I yeah, I probably still would have bet Kiprop. Thank you. Um, but carry on. I think. I think. Look, look, I think it's a debate. Next you're topic. acting. You're acting as if it's ludicrous to suggest that the Olympic champion is the best runner in an event. The guy who also won World Indoors that year. I don't know. I don't think that's ludicrous. What? So Phyllis Francis is the best 400 meter in the world two years ago. I mean, what if these ra- these races determine the world champion? Is the world champion not the best in the world? Of course not. It's who won that what race, John? Well, Ginny Simpson. You think she was number one in the world that year when she won the world? Not not that season. Also, Morgan Usney fell in that race though. She was the world number one that year and she fell. So, but the world champion is who won the race. All right. The, Sintra was the world ranked number one, which means he had a good season. That doesn't mean he's the best. I will point out in defense of John, who I think is wrong in this, but Weldon probably doesn't realize this. Kip, Centro did beat Kiprop at the Diamond League final after the Olympics. He was fourth to Kiprop's fifth. But career head to head, it's according to Telus Chopcha. Centro ran the Diamond League final that year? According to Telus Chopcha, he ran Brussels. According to Telus Chopcha, it's eight to four. Kiprop. To Centro. And since John was backing me up with some stats, I will give back John up with some stats. John, you were correct. You seemed a little unsure of yourself. But Jenny Simpson did begin the decade as Jenny Berenger. She got married in October of 2010. He did not run the Diamond League final in 2016. I knew I was right about that. Oh, I was looking at 2012. Excuse me. Robert, Robert, even with the numbers in front of Robert, he can't beat my stats knowledge. Sorry, just... Pat myself on the back for that one. No, I, I'm not necessarily saying Centro was the best runner in, at that time. I'm just saying it's a debate worth having. John, in, in most Diamond League races, this guy isn't finishing in the top five. In most world championship races or global finals, he is. I'm just saying, but overall, who's the best 1,500 meter runner? He's not the guy you're going to put in. Well, I... I'm not. I don't know if I'm putting in the guy who got busted for EPO. Agree. Fair enough. I know Kip probably about to say when Robert was saying he lost the Centro at the Diamond League final. I'm like, well, maybe he mistimed his sauce. So, but Kip if any drug cheat, I'm gonna love that. It's still kind of holds some allegiance to is that guy. He was so sublime looking. This the way he run. He, I, I always thought if anyone could be clean, it was him. And I guess he wasn't. So, hey kids, spoiler alert: parents, um, mute the car. 
Santa Claus isn't real. We've also got the update of the decade. We shouldn't. I don't think we should give all these away. The what if? What if? Yeah, of the yeah. Decade, the, well, read the, the throat, doping excuse of the decade. That one's a good one. Doping bust of the decade. Person of the decade. I think we already said that's Alberto Salazar. Oh no! Oh. no that's, uh, I thought it was Greta Thunberg. Oh, yeah, Greta Thunberg. Oh, maybe, maybe it's not Alberto Salazar. And <laughs> nice, nice save. Well, then. I can re-record if you guys want. But I, I just thought of something that we didn't have that people really want. We should have message board thread and post and person of the decade. Oh man, that's what we should have created. I just thought of a brilliant point. I feel like we should go back and retweet my rant when I went off on Alicia Montagna at the beginning of this podcast. But you're talking about, about the message board. Yes, there's some misogynistic things on there very occasionally. But just because you get criticized, if you're criticizing a woman, it doesn't mean it's because you're a misogynist. Or if you criticize a black person, it's because they're racist or something like that. I mean, as someone pointed out, think about the people who, who are the most vilified people on Let's Run.com. Pro runners, I think, without a doubt, is Galen Rupp. And then amateur runners, Kip Litton, Robert Young, Mike Rossi. What do they all have in common? White males. Sage Kennedy, one of my ex-athletes. He's getting bashed on there all the time. He's also getting praised on there. So, I don't know. That's just- yeah, but they get, they get vilified because they were marathon cheats. Wow, Jonathan Gold just calling Sage Kennedy and Galen not Rupp sage, marathon cheats. Not Sage and Rupp, you know what I mean. John, I just saw someone in the background there. A woman. Your, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was my mom. Good. She went to went... my mom's house for the whole at my parents' house for the holidays. She printed something out and what behind me. We should have brought her on the podcast. All right, guys. I think that's it. And I don't know, the last podcast of the decade will either be this could be it, or we could have one more with Josh Methner as our guest. Maybe we should try to rush him in because he'd be the first guy born ever in the this century on the podcast. So maybe get him in before the end of the decade. But we did it. We did it. If we don't have a podcast to our regularly scheduled Monday, we made it to the end of the year as promised, as delivered. Uh, this is the last podcast of the decade. But what if I, this could just be the last podcast? Period. We did it every day, every week for a year, and then we never do it again. Well, I mean, Robert, I, you sound like you want off it. I'm happy to do one with Weldon, but I think the the lifeblood of this podcast is Rojo's hot takes and rants. If we take those away, you're you're a necessary component. I mean, think of all the people who are commuting to work or trying to escape their families or out running right now, listening to this. They they need your weekly infusion of jet fuel propelled takes and me to just then shoot them down with facts and logic. That's what that's the repartee that this podcast thrives on. I'm not really sure when the mayor election is here, but if I get elected. It's gonna elections I, are in November, Robert. That's how it works. Oh, I've, no, good. So I was afraid they'd say it's a conflict of interest, and then all the special interest groups would be listening for mistakes on the podcast by me. Conflict of interest? Yeah, you know, I've got a side business while I'm supposed to be representing the people of Baltimore. People might a be president st- still runs his side business. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. And I'm glad John's in the holiday spirit. Not not the president comment. He said, "And people escaping their families listen to the podcast." So. Hopefully not everyone's escaping their families this holiday season, but having an enjoyable time with the families. Yep. Happy holidays, everyone, wherever you are around the world. And uh, you know what? There's a little Christmas present to us. If you like what you listen to this year, 
why don't you go on the iTunes and rate us five stars and give us a nice review? That would yeah. just be, you know, get in the holiday spirit. Rojo's threatening no podcasts in next year. Please give him a high rating or the remaining no podcast. Hit up a tip jar. Final time to tip, John. I'm making an announcement. We will double the tips that come in in this week up to $5,000. There it is. I stuck it in my mouth. This is proof that John will get his tips, any tip before December 31st. Wow. So if you're particularly, if you're some sort of daddy Warbucks type who just has $5,000 to throw, what if, at, throw at me, what if Robert's how about rich, you do that? What if Robert's rich friend comes through and just <laughs> pings you up, John? Idiot. I hope he doesn't listen. Plus, if John's, well, I guess the Patriots won't be eliminated before the end of the year. I was saying if, if the Patriots get eliminated from the playoffs before the end of the year, John's dad can come in. Instead of spending money on Super Bowl tickets, he could put $5,000 for his son and give himself... Oh wow! What a give it back. Game Sound system. investment strategy. Wait, what if I? No money can come from John's family. No money can come from John's family. <laughs> I was just about to say, what if I donate five thousand dollars of my own money? No, no money can come from John's you have family. Friends or relatives? You cannot. Yeah, I'm gonna John. give my friends. I'm gonna be like, hey, donate two hundred dollars to this thing, and I'll just pay them two hundred dollars to donate. <laughs> well, then you just screwed yourself, man. Any, the, all. All donations will be investigated. We'll see how many degrees of separation are from John. If an independent audit determines that they are within one degree of separation from John, they'll be ruled invalid, and they will go to me, and I will sue John for the doubling difference. Everyone else, donate. Have a good holidays. Next podcast, we'll have our New Year's resolutions.